all those grapes that they grow in Niagara, uh, California, Europe, France, Germany, Argentina, they're all from a big family of grapes called Vinifera, right? And inside that family, you've got Pinot Noir, Capital, Merlot, all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And they're, they make great wines. But there's a couple drawbacks to Vinifera, is one big drawback is it can't take a lot of cold. So usually minus 23 Celsius, minus 25 Celsius, you start getting into a lot of damage on buds and then also green tissue in the wintertime. And by minus 27, most guys tell me that if they get minus 27, it'll pretty well burn that plant to the ground with vinifera. Well, here in Bruce County, where we're located, we can expect minus 35. We can expect two nights of minus 35 every three years. So for us to grow vinifera here, it's kind of um, difficult in an open field setting. Yes, you can grow there. You hear people have a, a Pinot Noir plant in their backyard and it's maybe in an alcove or it's like a secret garden and they lay it down in the fall and they cover it up with leaves like they do in Niagara with soil and they insulate it. But in a field setting, it's a little more difficult. So what's happened is, is we started, there's ourselves and another winery up north. We were the first two main ones in Ontario to start planting a lot of these new hardy northern hybrids. So what you're looking at here, this is just a test plot. We, we do harvest this little plot, it's about three quarters of an acre. We harvest it every couple years if we need it, but our main production's back over the hill. And these varieties in here, there's six rows of one, six of another. What you're looking at right here is actually Frontenac. And these are, front, we have Frontenac red, Frontenac white, Frontenac blue, all the way through here. Frontenac is a tough grape. It does very well on our soils. I don't know exactly how hardy it is, but I'm guessing it's good for about minus 40, minus 42, because we haven't had any damage with it at all with minus 35, minus 37. It's been very hardy in our soils. Um, so the neat thing about these grapes is they can take a lot of cold, number one, but the second big thing is they're very, very disease insect resistant. Um, so uh, I, we are average, right now in our operation, we're averaging less than 0.3 of an application per year. Less than 0.3. From what the guys tell me in Niagara, a lot of the operators are averaging around six to seven to eight full applications per season. We're averaging less than a third of one per season. Because these things nowadays, they're breeding, a lot of the newer varieties are breeding for resistance. Years ago, Sometimes our attitude was, wow, we're not worried about that because we can spray for that. And we had things like, you remember your history, DDT and stuff like that. Well, nowadays it's a little different. And so a lot of these varieties, this, this where you're looking at right here, has had literally nothing put on it whatsoever. No chemical whatsoever put on uh, foliage or material for fungicide or pesticide this season at all. And so that's basically how health. The grapes themselves, this variety is Frontenac uh, red. They're long clusters, but there's all different shapes in that. With you guys know, but with wine grapes, generally we're not after looks. We're not after big grapes like you see in the grocery store. They're breeding in the grocery store. They're breeding grapes for eye appeal, right? Here we're breeding grapes for actually flavor. And so with grapes, most of the flavors in the skin. So actually a smaller grape has higher skin to pulp ratio, which means generally higher flavor, and more ability to work with at that point. So these grapes are not only quite hardy, but quite disease resistant. 
Um, they have a, as with anything, there's no perfect scenario. There's a few other little issues we deal with. We sort of work with it. We have them, these are trained on, we call a low wire. So they're all, the wire's all at this height. But in the back field, we have a, a big chunk of grapes planted on a high wire where there's no catch wires at all. The grapes drape down. So it's sort of in reverse. Um, we're doing a lot of experimenting with one thing or another to control vigor. In here, the biggest problem we got, just looking down here, is too much vigor, too much plant growth. The problem we run, one of our biggest problems is, it's kind of stupid, our biggest problem is this is old dairy farmland, okay? High fertility, high, a lot of manure rates were put on here. High fertility and grapes, they're like corn. You give them a lot of fertility, they throw on a lot of leaf and a lot of um, foliage from there and maybe too much. So you're seeing, and this year's nuts because we have had so much moisture and heat. But um, anyways, this is sort of give an idea what they look like. We plant, we have about five and a half acres of grapes right now. And then we have so much in apples. Okay, but come on, let's go. I'll show you inside. Now up on the hill there, we have, you can just see the top. We have about an acre and a half of apples, somewhere around that range. I'm guessing, I should measure it, about an acre and a half of apples. And last year was the first year that they really started bearing heavy. And um, going forward, the crop this year looks excellent. The apples with uh, with um, the apples are used all for cider. The grapes are used for wine and cider. We use a lot of the grapes in the cider production. And actually, in a few minutes, I'll show you. We have a, a one cider that's pure grape, no apple, no pear in whatsoever. At that point, most of our apples, the two biggest varieties we grow our Northern Spy and Golden Crescent from there, the older apples. The problem is the older apples, the Spies and the Russets are considered processed apples and a lot of the growers nowadays don't want to grow them because there's no money in it. They make more money growing Ambrosia or something like that. So it's kind of neat. And do you get all of your apples from here or do you buy in from other markets? For well, last year was the first year ever we had enough apples of our own. But, and this year looks like we will too. But uh, up until last year, we had to buy in from either Paisley, which is about 20 miles from here, or Meaford, which is about 60 or 50, yeah. 50, say 50. So it's either those two areas. And you press and everything on site? We do most of, we can press everything on site. We do have a guy that does some pressing for us with the apples, but we can press everything. It depends on workload yeah. from there. Yep, but we do all our own grapes here and anything else like that. And when was it that you started with the cider? Has it always been something as part of the group? Um, well, cider, now you hit a nerve because um, something you may maybe not realize, but Malmey to the south of a small town of Malmey, 1,000 people, and about a seven mile radius of Malmey is the strongest hard apple cider pocket in all of Ontario, okay? And the next strongest pocket is actually down below Montreal, Bromont, St. Abbotsford, in that area, St. Hyacinth. We, all grew up with cider. We all made it. I I turned 60 in a, less than a month. I turned 60. I made my first batch of cider when I was 15 years old. Okay, it was a 40 gallon barrel in our farmhouse just up the road here down on the right hand side behind the school. Um, your scrawny little farm kids, we all did it. It was something, it was a rite of passage. It was something we did. It was sort of fun. Now, the cider though, we made, and there was a lot, uh, there was a there was a lot of cider made in this area and we sort of maintained that heritage. It was really interesting. Our son's 33 now, but uh, I remember about 15 years ago, he came home one time, he was working somewhere else. 
and he came home and he says, Dad, you won't believe this, but there's this new thing called cider. And I'm like, Diane and I looked at him like, well, where the hell have you been hiding under? Because we all grew up with it, but it was something part of our childhood or whatever, and, and it sort of faded out as time went on, and then all of a sudden, in the last 10 years, they've rediscovered it, and they think they reinvented it, but reality is it's been around a long time. And it was always something very important when... Uh, you know, cultivation came in and unsafe drinking water and everything. And then it, like beer, it all seemed to drop off. Yep. And then all the apples got pulled out and big challenges well, it was and interesting. changes. In this area, um, we've got quite a rich history as far as uh, prohibition, as far as um, rum running and all, up and, and all that stuff. And not far from us is a green ox swamp. Just over that way to the west of us about seven eight mile literally it's a big chunk of swamp called the greenock swamp and uh, a lot of stills were through here alcohol stills back in the 1920s and 30s from there with when the this area bruce county that we're standing in right now was the last county to be opened up for development in this whole part of ontario we're the last county so when the british were opening things up in the 1830s 40s and 50s they started lake ontario came north they started ottawa came west and they all converged at bruce county and bruce county is 100 miles top to bottom long narrow peninsula and originally bruce county was earmarked for indian land that was the original plan and then the settlers kept coming and kept coming and kept coming and finally they said okay we'll open up a bit of it and a bit more and a bit more so um, when the settlers first came the first alcoholic beverage they made was cider it was the easiest thing to make everybody had a few apple trees wild apples all that right through but it was only a matter that was about 1850 but by 1870 cider started to disappear right off the map and not just here but it disappeared all through north america because the new kid on the block was beer. And beer in the 1850s and 60s, cider was considered working man's drink. Cider was considered almost like poor man's drink. Beer in the 1870s, 60s and 70s was fashionable. Beer was considered middle class, is a step up. And it's like all of us, we sort of want what's better. And so beer started taking over, hence all the breweries start popping up and cider eventually almost disappeared except for right around here we maintain a very strong heritage and so um in to give you an example in Maumee to the south of here there was a large foundry set up where they produced large cider presses and they sold them all through ontario all into the northern states out west these were huge cider presses for pressing apples for for apple juice they in the the foundry right up until the mid 60s were making commercial um, apple butter and i believe they were selling into the mini food stores into those large honey pails right up until about 1966 somewhere in that range apples there was a lot of apples growing through this area but that all stopped 1934. what happened was in 1934 it was a really cold fall a really in a really cold winter january was very mild February come along extremely cold and that's the year 1934 is actually February 9th 34 that walked and holds a record right up the road here for the coldest recorded temperature in all of Ontario and actually all of Canada not just Ontario and it was minus 58 Fahrenheit and so at minus 58 Fahrenheit that'll kill apple trees and especially when you had a bit of sap moving from January the day the, the month before you had a bit of sap moving in the hardwood and the big body wood you had all of a sudden the temperature drops like a rock those trees just burst and shatter 
So there was a lot of orchards around here. My family had a three-acre orchard up the road here, and everything in the orchard was wiped out except one tree. They, they, they salvaged one tree from there. But, and that put a real dent in a lot of the cider production in this area. But still, it's still a big part of our heritage. But here, come on, let's go over. Uh, how long have you been commercially producing cider for then here out of the uh, We the started, cellars? our 10th anniversary will be July 30th of this year. So we've been, we've been running for 10 years. Yeah. Yep. But I've been, we've made cider for 50. Pretty much. 45. Yeah, 45 I guess it is. Yeah, exactly. Now, what's under here? What is that? Oh, what's my drill? I tried to put shelves up last night and everything else. Now, come on, come on in out of the sun. It's too hot out there. Now, um, first thing you guys need to know about it is um, our name. Oh, geez. We. For the first two years we were in business, our name was Carrick Wines. And uh, Carrick Wines and Ciders are Carrick Wines. And um, we ran with that for the first two years and, and all great. And then one day we got contacted by another winery out of New Zealand. And these suckers got a hold of us and basically said, hey, what are you guys doing using our name? And sure as heck, there was a winery in New Zealand that was perfectly legally registered in New Zealand, Carrick Wines Inc and we were perfectly legally registered here in Canada with Carrick Wines Inc. And everything's fine as long as you stay apart. And, but the trouble is where the fluffle started was that they were selling some wines into Ontario. And this stuff was pretty good stuff. This was like 80, 85 buck a bottle, Pinot Noirs. And that set precedent. And so, um, of course, there's some thinking and teeth gnashing and gnawing and all that sort of stuff for a bit, trying to decide what we're gonna do. And finally, at the end of it, we said, ah, heck with it, let's just change your name. And so after two years of operating, so that was eight years ago, we made the choice to change your name from Carrick Wines to Hoity Toity Cellars. And the reason we chose Hoity Toity Cellars is, is because we say, guys, let's back up a bit. Sometimes the wine industry can come across as being a little bit pretentious, a little bit full of itself, and a little bit Hoity Toity. And it does this right from the very top right down to the restaurant level. And so what we actually do is we say, guys, this is Bruce County. No offense, but there's no damn room for that here. I'm sorry if I offend anybody. Tough, get over it. This is Carrick Township in Bruce County. We're kind of like the Texas of the States. And basically, this is how we play it. So what we actually do is we use the name Hoity Toity Cellars as a springboard to market off of. And that's our, one of our focuses with a lot of our marketing campaigns and everything else is our whole focus with selling wines and ciders is we want to sell a good time. We want people to have a good experience and to experience a product and leave here with a smile on their face. But our whole focus is we're very serious about the products we make, but let's not take ourselves too serious. We like, and that's the bottom. That's exactly how we operate here. So a lot of our advertising and you'll see the names in our bottles like you'll notice kicked out of the country club wine 
and you'll notice some other ciders, a cider called 66 Pickup. And I tell people that's what I drive, and I did. I just got here back here a few minutes ago. And um, then there's three in the tree, and that's what it has, and a 283 motor. A lot of this is based around Bruce County. It's based around our people from there. And are you, do you export outside of the county, or you really stay focused on the area? No, we, uh, a lot of people drive quite a distance to come and purchase product from us. Um, especially with this COVID, we've really noticed uh, like a lot of people are driving from Cambridge, you know, and that's a that's an hour and a half minimum, hour and three quarter drive, a two hour drive to come up here. And they'll come up saying, oh Gary, I just want to come up for a drive and something to do and picked up a case of cider or picked up some cider and wine. Um, so we, it's our, about half of our business is local and local I mean about a 40 mile radius up to the edge of Owen Sound, around, so that's local, Port Algonquin Cardinal, maybe 50 mile radius, say 50. And the other half of our business is tourism. And so summertime's a big thing and uh, like that. We do a ton of weddings, and but this year, of course, weddings are all cut back, right? But still, um, that's pretty much our market where we hit to. We sell everything right out of here. We only supply four pubs right through and we only supply them with one product and that's the 66, but everything else is sold right out of here. What we do, everything we do, we try to, we want people to have a good experience and to have fun. And to, my goal is to put a smile on your face. That's it, okay? Whether you leave here with cider, wine or not, it, yeah, that, it's nice, but it's not our main thing. So everything we do, we try to make fun for you. And we try to have you participate so we do things like in the fall, a grape stomp with barrels and all that sort of stuff and help pick. We actually have people come out and help us pick free of charge and we feed them and do things like that. And we had sheep here for years and other animals and things like that. Um, then now what we're doing is because of this COVID and everything else, we're moving over here to our old warehouse area. And this area is called the saloon now. And there'll be a sign going, it's made right now. We just got to get it up today but it'll be called the saloon and it's with its own saloon doors and everything else. And the whole idea is to make it kind of interactive, make it fun for you. That's really what we're all about. Eventually, once shortly, once we get the okay and everything else, we're gonna train you to pick your own product out of the bins yourself, <laughs> go get it. And so I tell people, if you want, if you're looking for hoity-toity, don't come here. Okay, like we're, I, I tell people right up front, I says we're anything but hoity-toity, okay? Number two is, if you're looking for high service, don't come here, okay? Um, I tell people, like, when they see me, especially with my hat on, and now we gotta wear a mask and that, and I say, you know, guys, it's kinda like highway robbery. I says, it's a trap, right up front. You're gonna get fleeced, let's be honest. But this is the way it is, and most people say back, we, we look forward to it, Gary. <laughs> and that's really what we want. We want people to have fun. Hence the doors, hence the signage, Hence the, the stories that come on baby, all of that stuff. It's all based around humor. And I just want you to have a, try your product, experience it, have a good time. When people come here, we're very adamant. We do not want you buying anything without trying it. And we're very adamant about that. And some people are stern, oh no, no, no. And we, okay, fine, fine, leave them alone. But 90% of the people we say, no, we want you to try it. Because it's important to make sure you get what suits you. We're dealing with alcohol products. Basically, it's a food in a sense. And bottom line is everybody tastes different. And so what works for you may not work for your partner or me or anybody else. 
And the most thing I tell, I tell people is, you find out what the hell works for you. Never mind what the hell works for that year. I don't care what works for your sister, your uncle, your dog, or anything else. All I want to know is, what about you? Because you're the one here today, and we want to make you happy. Um, so I really, um, so in, in Bruce County, when we did that whole hoity-toity theme, our whole focus is we sort of make fun of the wine industry, and we're basically saying we're anything but hoity-toity. This is Bruce County. There's no room for that type of level, uh, what do you call that, the attitude here. And that's how we play it. I know it does rub some people a little bit the wrong way. It's interesting. Uh, one guy I worked with years ago, he says, well, Gary, nobody wants to be a snob. And actually, I said back, actually, uh, there are some people. <laughs> actually, uh, yeah, there are a few. And so I just lay it on the line. I tell you, this is what we do. This is how it is. Are you in or are you out? Make up your mind. So that's what it's all about. Well, th thank you so much. Really appreciate the walkthrough and the chance to chat. And we'll uh, pick up a handful of the options that you have for ciders here. And uh, you can find more information about yourself on a website. Yep. Uh, HoodyToodySellers.ca is where we are. And search us on Facebook. And, and we do most of the stuff. Today I'm talking to you guys about ciders and wine. I haven't talked this much about cider and wine for about six months combined. When people come here, we don't, no offense, but we don't talk <laughs> They don't, they don't come here to hear about cider and wine. You, I tell people, if you want to hear about making wine and cider, well, we send you to one of the other spots, one of the other wineries. People, most people come here to hear about something else. Um, they hear about some of the things I've done or excursions or trips or I'm a trail runner, the places I go. I tell them about the time I ran into Helen Hunt or I tell them about the Rubicon Trail or, or doing this or doing that or something else. It's all, it's all those other things. I tell them about the hoist. The reason we moved, like over here, guys, right? We had the um, we had the setup set up here. This was our sales area, but it was cutting into my personal space. <laughs> and I hold it here. A guy will give up so much, but finally he says, "That's enough of that." So what I'm saying is, we tell them about all this other stuff, and really. That's what we enjoy. We want people to have fun and enjoy it. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit more about the wine and the cider as well. And wish you best of luck as we hopefully get out of COVID and we can return back to something a little more normal. Yeah.